Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. Today, I want to do something. They gave me this topic about two months ago, and they were in staff meeting. I happened to go by and they were voting on who was going to preach on what. And Brandon said, I'll take that topic. And, and Stephen said, I'll take that topic. And Joel said, well, I'll take those two. <clears throat> and they said, who wants this topic? None of them raised their hand. They said, Larry, you want to preach this Sunday? <laughs> and so it's, uh, little did I know it was Super Bowl Sunday. But it's also the Sunday that they, they didn't want to preach on this topic. But it happened to be... One of the favorite things that I like in life, and, and if anybody knows me, they know that in my life, they know that there's two things. I like to laugh. How many like to laugh? Raise your hand. Love laughing. I, I love, I have one-liners. Somebody said, are you good telling jokes? No. Are you good at one-liners? No, but I like to hear them, and I like to attempt to tell them. But needless to say, they don't work all the time, and that's kind of the fun. That's the laugh, isn't that right? When they're so sorry, Uh, like the Lyme disease deal. When they're so sorry, they're just pathetic and people shake their head and walk off. And uh, I I enjoy that type of thing. But they came up with this uh, topic and uh, talking about, and so I had the title up here, How Will You Serve or How Will You Give, actually, is the service or sermon that I want to preach to you today. And the sermon that uh, I really hate to preach the sermon, but I really love giving. I've learned that uh, in my lifetime that, that especially as you get older, uh, you make money, you save money, and as Proverbs says, the guy that makes it and saves it will die, and the guy after him will spend it. Uh, that's like your kids and wives and the wife's new husband. And so, <laughs> anyway, so you guys, you guys out there don't, don't have a lot to look forward to. Anyway because you're going to die 10 years younger than, uh, younger than your wife. How many know that guys die eight years before their wives? Raise their hand. Do you know why? I'm not going to say it, but because they want to. <laughs> uh, don't get mad at somebody. You got it, didn't you? you, uh, you are, you're dead. You're dead. You're out of here, brother. You better check your food. They get rid of you today with that uh, stuff they put in, uh, what is it you put to keep, antifreeze, antifreeze. That's the way to take you out. I watched the Ladies Murder Network. Does anybody watch that? LMN, LMN, Ladies Murder. It's always, they're always killing somebody on there. I I don't know what it is. Somebody's killing somebody, but it's kind of fun uh, to see it. Not to experience it, obviously, but anyway. I'm going to talk about, uh, talk about giving today. So sit back, relax, because most people don't understand the principles of giving or about how to give or so forth, and they get some kind of uh, idea that giving is uh, something that should be terrible, hard, or whatever. Let me, let me say this to you. The Bible says to give, and it shall be given unto you. Shake down, press down, running over, men shall give unto your bosom. That's a good thing, giving. Isn't that right? If you get a hold of that, you'll understand that giving is not something that God did to you to punish you, but was given to you to test you. 
said, bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse and prove me, saith the Lord. And I'll open up a window of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. Now, I don't know that if in my life, I, I, I grew up poor. Uh, we actually did. In Hamburg, Arkansas, my family was the Norrell family. Uh, since, we, since I moved to Dallas, I did like Tony Dorsett did. He became Tony Dorsett. And I was Norrell, N-O-R-R-E-L-L. But when I moved to Dallas, I became Norrell. Because I was from Arkansas, and I wanted people to know that I wasn't a Norrell, I was a Norrell. Uh, I was somebody. Because we were broke. You guys don't understand broke, most of you, because most of you have never been broke. But when we grew up, we had two rooms and a path. We didn't have a bathroom. We, had, we didn't have an outdoor toilet. We had a path. You ran out of the, out of the house and ran down a path, and you had a restroom there, and you came back. You lived in a two-room house. One of them, it was a kitchen, and uh, we had a kerosene stove in there. Our, my grandmother and mother made cathead biscuits, 40-weight gravy. You don't know what that is. But when you make biscuits in a square pan, they have ears on them, the biscuits, and they call them cathead. How many have ever heard of a cathead biscuit? 40-weight gravy, you did. All right, so we got some four, poor people in here. Uh, we had, in our floor of our house, we had planks, and literally there was that much room in between the planks. The chickens could stick their head up through the planks and look around for crumbs on the floor. You'd throw the junk out the door, the dishwater out the door. You'd have a junkyard dog. No dog lived in the house, but they came out from under the house. And they hoped to catch a biscuit in the water. That's the kind of life we had. We had one bed, three people or four people slept in it. I'm the guy that wrote that song, sleeping triple in a single bed. <laughs> Smelly feet sticking at your head, whoa, whoa. Wishing I was dead, sleeping triple in a single bed. Maybe it was sleeping single in a double bed. But anyway, so <clears throat> uh, that was me. We were broke. You got the picture? And somebody taught my a preacher came by. My mother and daddy had not gone to church and whatever. They started going to church and a preacher came through one day and they, he got up and he started talking about tithing. Now tithing wasn't something that was talked about in churches back when I was a kid because nobody tithed. But this preacher came by and talked about tithing and giving and being blessed. And my daddy said to my mother, I can remember, they used to sit around the kitchen table. My daddy couldn't read very well. He went to the fourth grade. He was a brilliant man, but he had, uh, grew up in the Depression. And he went to the fourth grade, and he really struggled reading. Mama would read to him every morning books by Oliver B. Green and Billy Graham and all these people, and he'd sit there and listen to them. And, <clears throat> and he's a godly man. So he, in church, he heard the preacher preach for the first time on giving, and Daddy said, you know, I'm broke. I think I'll give it a shot. So whatever it was, he and mother decided that they would start tithing. And that was a good thing because my brother, who later became an anesthesiologist and myself, we listened to our parents and they taught us to tithe. We'd go out and mow yards, make a dollar. Back then, a dollar, you know, mowing a yard was good. You, you young people would freak out if somebody even suggested giving you a dollar for mowing the yard. Hey, want to mow the yard for a dollar? <laughs> I'm not deaf, but I can read sign language. You know, you just don't want to offer a kid something like that. I mean, they, they'd be, anyway, so. 
so I, I, was, I was sitting to uh, listen to my father, and he told us about giving, and they taught us to give, and so we started giving a dime on a dollar, and my mother really got carried away. She'd take the dollar, she'd say, now the dime is the Lord's. We're giving a nickel to the building fund. We're going to give a nickel to missionaries. And I remember my brother saying, heck with the missionaries, they can come mow their own yards. <laughs> you know? And uh, so uh, they just taught us to do that. Over a period of time, we started giving and my daddy started being blessed. Now, I, 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 I want to say that God blessed us because daddy believed in what the Bible said about giving. But then a preacher came by one day and he said, now, if you're giving a tithe, you're not giving anything. I said, wait a second. You're going to try to get more out of me? That's a preacher's trick. Uh, tithe is not the Lord's? No. I mean, a tithe is not uh, giving? No. Then what is it? And the preacher began to explain. The tithe is the Lord's. You see, if you want to be a giver, you give above your tithe. But if you want to just give what God has given you and requires of you to give back, that's the tithe. But if you want to be a giver, you give above the tithe and you give above that and you make an offering to God. Now, look at me just a second. Money is an important deal. How many of you like to get a paycheck? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm looking at this beautiful, wonderful shirt. I can't see your face because I'm blind, but I see the shirt and hand going up. Are you a young person? Do you like to get paid? Absolutely. Now we have a winner on the team. He likes, to, he likes to get paid. All of you do. Everybody likes money. Say it. Just go ahead. Just go ahead this morning. Say it. Just, just get it out of the way. I like money. I like what Bob Hope said about money. Somebody said, Mr. Hope, you're a billionaire. You can't take it with you. And he said, no, ma'am, and I can't go no place without it. Get a hold of that. We like money. Money is a representation of your skill, your talent, your ability, your hard work, the time that you spent. When somebody gives you a paycheck and money back, when you hold that check in your hand, it represents your life. Say it. It represents my life. Say it. It represents my life. Say it again. It represents my life. And now you want to take my life from me? Well, that's a hard pitch, isn't it? You come to church and say that, but God already knew that. God knew that because he looked at you and he said, I want you to give something back. Now, tithing wasn't something new. Somebody said tithing was under the law. Tithing was not Old Testament under the law. Tithing was before the law. Follow me. Tithing was before the law. During the time of Abraham and Melchizedek and all the time in the Old Testament before the law ever was, Abraham came and gave Melchizedek's part of the spoils he gave a tithe, a tenth of it, because he said it was the right. Say that. It is the right. Say it again. It is the what? It's the right thing to do. But people have a hard time doing that, the right thing, because they don't want to do it. I understand that. I understand not wanting to give up your life. I understand not wanting to do that. And I understand that you hate preachers that come up and tell you all that kind of stuff and deal with that. Now, <clears throat> let me say something to you. I don't want to be a preacher up here today. Look at me just a, a second. I have no reason to preach this to you other than the fact that I believe it. I don't get a paycheck from the church. 
I haven't got a paycheck from a church or preaching. I pastored 30 years and did not receive a paycheck from the church. I quit receiving a paycheck from the church in 1986. I have not taken a, uh, a check for going to preach revivals. I have not taken an airline ticket that I didn't pay for. I did not take a hotel that I did not pay for. I'm not here about your money. I'm here wanting to help you and change your ideas about what God says about money because you have been taught wrong all your life. You want me to preach it to you? Huh? You have been taught wrong all your life. I taught it wrong much of the time because I wanted to do right. I wanted to be a part, but I taught wrong most of my life about giving. Now, the Bible's clear, isn't it? The tithe's the Lord's. But it's always been the Lord's. You know why Adam and Eve got kicked out of the Garden of Eden? Not tithing. Nine trees are here for your benefit. The tenth tree is here for my benefit. Leave my tree alone. Did you catch that? Don't look at it. Don't touch it. Don't breathe on it. It wasn't because they ate the apple. The minute they looked at it and touched it, they sinned. God said, leave it alone. It's mine. When the children of Israel went into the new land and began their conquest, they went into a city called Jericho. Jericho was one of 10 cities that were taken over by the Israelis and they went in and did it, but it was the first city and God, when they went into that city, said, don't touch anything in this city. No goats, no chickens, no eggs. Leave it alone, it's mine. It's my city. You think God gets personal with his stuff? Don't touch it. Same way with kings. First king, Saul, David said, I'll not touch him. I'll not do God's servant any harm. Why? Because he was God's first king. Leave the first things of God alone. God's got them there as a test for you. Trust me, try me, prove me, saith the Lord, leave my stuff alone, everything else you can have. I'd rather have 90, 10% of God's and, not, and the 90% of mine, hadn't you? He owns it all. He owns the cattle on the hills, the thousand hills. He owns the gold in the hills. He owns the dime in the hill. He owns the lumber in Georgia. He owns the cows in Texas and the oil in Oklahoma. He owns the diamonds in Africa. Brother, he's got it all. The shipping in the Mediterranean is God's. So why would he want your stuff. He doesn't want your stuff. You got that? We got that. Okay. Now let's get another thing. Let's get it straight because we're doing away with all the junk that you used to hear. Why do you give? Now there are those out on TV land. How many watch preachers on TV? Don't lie to me. Raise your hand. Sometimes, huh? Sometimes. And you hear about what's the major topic? Prosperity giving, isn't it? Give for the prosperity, give prosperity. Why, if, if, if giving makes everybody prosperous, why is everybody so broke sometimes? How many of you have had to weigh between the fact of giving your tithe and paying electric bill before? You ever done that? Anybody? Feeding yourself and paying your tithe? 
if tithing is such a hotshot deal and giving is such a great deal, why are we faced sometimes with these trials that come before us worrying about things? If God's going to give it all to you. The truth of the matter is that the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says a lot of things about giving. Let's, let's look at the first Psalm right quick. Now, I'm just teaching you, all right? I won't teach you. I might preach in a minute. I don't know. I might. But I won't teach you right now. What does Psalm 1 say? Does anybody remember? You don't remember. What kind of preacher are you? I'm just messing with him. Okay, follow me. I'm going to give it to you in the King James. Somebody said, do you use the King James? He asked me the other day. He texted me, Is this, are your verses in King James? I said, yes, I'm too old to memorize any others. I mean, like, you come out with a new one every day. King James, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the what? See the scornful. But his delight, say that, his delight, say it again, his delight. Now notice the first word, blessed. You know what blessed means? Now in Hebrew, I, now I didn't study Hebrew. I, I taught Greek in college. I know that seeing somebody like me up here saying I taught Greek, <laughs> that's kind of funny, right? But uh, I taught Greek in college. I don't know Hebrew. But I taught Greek in college. But in Hebrew, the Hebrew language has singular, plural, and dual words. It's not like in English, we have singular, plural, right? Shake your head, yes. Singular, plural, yes, right? Shake your head, yes. Okay, so we have singular, plural. And, and so, but in Hebrew, you have dual words. The, the word blessed is a is a plural word. Now, now get a hold of this. You remember the little guy on TV? Uh, what was his name? The Robinson family? Not lost in space. I'm talking about the Duck Show. Duck Dynasty, there you go. You watch the same shows I do? There you go. The Robinson, Duck Dynasty. And you know, the, was it the uncle or what? No, it was the daddy, grandpa. He'd say, happy, 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 happy. Well, that's what, that's what blessed means. It's a trio word or, or plural word means happy, 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 happy. Now get a hold of this. Say it. Happy, 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 happy. You see it? Happy, 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 happy is the man that stands not in the way of sinners, sits in the sea score. It talks about you're really juiced up, right? Happy. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law shall he meditate both day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by what? Rivers of water. And he shall bring forth what? Fruit in his season, and whatsoever. This is the key, bricklayer. This is the key, plumber. This is the key, painter. This is a key preacher. This is a key anesthesiologist. This is a key nurse. This is a key taxi driver. Whatsoever thou doest shall prosper. Isn't that cool? 
How does a teacher prosper? Good students. How does a mother prosper? Good kids. How does a daddy prosper? Good kids. How does a preacher prosper? Good church. It's not all about money. Have you got a hold of that? If you're looking for happiness in money, you're looking in the wrong direction. You could have big old piles of certificates from the bank sitting on your desk that tells how much money you have in the bank and it is worthless unless that money is being used for something positive in God's kingdom. That's a fact. Now, I don't need a clap. Just going to tell you. It's a fact. You can have all the money in the world. What does it prosper a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for that? The truth of the matter is that money has never made anybody happy. A new car has never made anybody happy. A vacation has never made anybody happy. It is just something that fills that empty void in your chest and stomach that's called emptiness, and it just fills it for a little while, and then it's gone, and you have the same hole there. There's only one thing in the world that can satisfy that emptiness, and it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming into your heart and life. Now get a hold of this. We're talking about money, though. We'll talk about money. How many have heard their preachers on TV say, if you'll sow a seed into this ministry? How many have heard that? Huh? You don't sow seed into the ministry. You put your seed into the seed house and save it to plant your crop. If you give away your seed money, you'll be broke next year because you won't have anything to plant. God told you how to give. He said, give the first of your crops a tenth to the Lord. You can give an offering, and as you give, it shall be given unto you. Shake down, press down, and running over. But as a farmer, I know you better save some seed to plant next year, or you won't have a crop. Let me give you something else. If everybody that on TV, these preachers that tell you on TV that you sow your seed and you'll cough up three malignant tumors and your kids will be healed and the blind will see, if that was the case, there'd be an ATM machine at every children's hospital and a bank teller at every funeral home to raise the dead. It ain't gonna happen. Well, I... God, you're so negative. <laughs> you are really ruining what I don't believe. I never have believed it, but I sure like hearing it. Sure makes me feel good to hear it. It makes me wave my hanky when I hear it. It makes me shout jalapeno when I hear it. Jalapeno, <laughs> let your feet do the dancing. Am I offending anyone? No, seriously, if, I, if I'm offending you, I'm sorry. The last time I preached on money, they asked me not to come back. I got a letter that said, that was the sorriest sermon I ever heard. You make us want to throw up. Please do not come back this direction.
It was signed, Love Mother. <laughs> I can't hardly take it when my mother talks to me that way. Uh, are you following me so far? Don't you get tired of hearing junk? Huh? I get tired of hearing junk. Get tired of hearing junk. Now, I got 15, 20 minutes. Okay, now let's look at me. 15, 20 minutes, I got to cut through this. Now, I already told this story, and I hate to tell stories over again because I'm going to try to blow my nose the same place the other did, cry the same place and all that. I can't do that. I'm not fake, all right? But after the service this morning, my wife and I sat down here, stood down here, and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and we cried for 10 minutes over the sermon I preached this morning. It was that bad. <laughs> and, uh, but I want to tell you two stories. One is about a friend of mine. My, my, my mentor, Jimmy Thorpe, he started uh, Louisiana Baptist University. He was the founder. Uh, great people. Indiana Jones, the real Indiana Jones went there. Bill Gother went there. Uh, Lee Robbins, Jerry Falwell got their doctorate degrees there. I did. The governor of the state of Louisiana did. I got my doctorate degree there. Got my second doctorate degree there. My wife got her doctorate degree there. It's a great school. Well, not because I was there, but it was a good school. I was a poor student. But Jimmy Thorpe, uh, one day I was asking Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, who would you get to preach on a stewardship conference? Are you following me? You bored yet? No. Come on now, if you're bored, we'll go home. If I get bored, I'm going home. <laughs> okay, and I'm borderline, so y'all just stick with me here. Um, and he said, get Carlos Odom. Carlos Odom's the guy you need to get. Now, Jimmy and I played practical jokes on each other. We, we used to take people deer hunting, and you probably not for hunting, but we used to go to deer hunting as preachers, and we'd go out and... And uh, we'd set the clocks for five o'clock to get up. It'd really only be 12 o'clock. We'd go to bed at 10 and we'd set the clocks at 12 and we'd get up and cook a big breakfast for everybody. And then we'd take the newcomers out on the deer stand and let them sit there. It'd be one o'clock in the morning. They'd be waiting for the sun to come up thinking it was six o'clock. And five hours later, they were still out there waiting for us. That, that, that kind of stuff. Preachers do crazy stuff. So... He told me to get Carlos Odom, and I thought to myself, Carlos Odom. I called, his secretary answered, yes. I said, can he come speak for me on this Sunday? He said, yes, or she did, and so they booked it. I went to the airport in Shreveport, Louisiana, and this guy was standing there. He looked like the president. He was standing up tall. He was outside waiting on me uh, of the airplane gate. Gray hair, blue eyes, good-looking guy. And I thought to myself, I'm getting somebody that looks like a prayer. This guy's going to go over well and talk to my people about giving money. And we're going to have to take baskets and take it up. You know, I mean, it was just, I just thinking to myself, oh boy, what an offering as a young preacher. <clears throat> and so I went over to talk to this guy. Now, little did I know that he had what was called hydrocephalitis, which is uh, water on the brain. And uh, when he was younger, and his head was three times bigger than what it should have been. This guy was dignified looking. I did not know 
that this guy had cerebral palsy. And so when I went over to him, he looked like the president. So I went over and talked to him and I said, are you Carlos Odom? He shook his head. I said, are you supposed to preach for me? I'm Larry Norrell. He said, yes. And I said, so I said, come follow me. He said, brother Larry. He spoke with a hypernasality and I could barely understand him. Cerebral palsy. And he still walked uh, with distress. And he looked at me and he said, Brother Larry, I'm going to preach for you tomorrow. And I thought to myself, oh my God. What's going on here? This is a joke. You're pulling a joke on me. You and Jimmy Tharp, y'all are pulling a joke on me. This is not real. He said, no, Brother Larry, I'm going to preach for you tomorrow. And, and so he started following me, and I thought, yeah, he's going to get out of this joke after a while. So I, I kind of left him. We was walking. He was walking behind real slow. And finally, we got to the car, and I said, what hotel are you want me to put you up at? He said, I can't tell you in the hotel I got to stay with you. I cannot tie my tie. I cannot tie my shoes. Brother Larry, I can't, I can't cut up my food. You're going to have to do it. I said, cut it out, man. I know that they wouldn't have got, you're speaking at the Southern Baptist Convention this summer. 20,000 people on giving. And you're here with me and I know this is not real. Now cut it out. He said, okay, Brother Larry, then go to your house. So I took him to my house and I cut up his food and I helped shave him and I helped put his shoes on and his socks on. And I'm waiting for him to come out of this joke, you know, that he's doing with me because I, I knew that nobody could speak before large congregations. He could, I could barely understand him. And I took him to my church and I introduced him. Ladies and gentlemen, the speaker this Sunday, summer of the Southern Baptist Convention, Carlos Odom, is going to come and take your money from you. <laughs> I could just see it. And he was going to snap and come out of it. But when he walked to the pulpit, he stood and he said, don't turn me off till you turn me on. And what he was saying was, don't let my speech bother you, but listen to me. And he began to reveal his story, how that at 15 years of age, he was in a wheelchair, his head was to the side, he had a blanket of plastic over him because he slobbered and spit would go down his, his plastic covering and how for 15 years he had made it to the third grade and how a pitiful wretch he was until he heard the gospel preached by John Henry Hankins in the Second Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. He said, I was a worm crawling out of my wheelchair down the aisle. And he said, I went and got saved and asked Jesus into my life. Oh, what a miracle. He said, my head began to recede. He told how that he began to set straighter and how his body had begun to be healed to where he had a normal look. He said, I went to school the next three years and finished high school. I went to college at the University of Arkansas where I went. That doesn't say much. <laughs> 
But he said, I finished number one in my class in business. He said, I said, Lord, what am I going to do to make a living? He told my people. I know I'll get me an apartment and start my own business. He said, I ate peanut butter and jelly Monday. I ate peanut butter and jelly Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And on Sunday, I bought cinnamon rolls and milk. <laughs> and Carlos Odom told how that he started a business with handicapped people in these big businesses and use handicapped people to bring uh, mints and cookies. You've been to them in large buildings and started counters and they would work them and sell hot dogs and stuff. And all of them across the nation became his and he partnered up with people and became a multi-millionaire. And he told about giving 10%. He said, giving 10% is kindergarten stuff. I give 90% of everything I make to the Lord today. He said, Lord, nobody would have me as a husband. Nobody would marry me. He was telling his testimony to a church in Little Rock. And a young lady who happened to be runner-up to Miss America and Miss Arkansas said, I'm going to marry that man. And she did. They prayed and the doctor said, you can't have children. God, would you give me a baby, he said. And God gave him a baby girl. Three of them. And finally he said, God... Would you give me a baby boy? And he gave them two girls. <laughs> he said, Lord, I'm through. <laughs> no more. I watched him as he preached to my church and he gave this story. He said, when I first started serving God and got saved, I was saved out of fear. I didn't want to go to hell. That's the way I got saved. I didn't want to go to hell. I had a preacher that preached on hell every Sunday. I mean, he would, pre he would hold you over the flames of hell till your brain would reel, your eyes would bulge, a hound of hell nipping at your feet, and he'd have a pair of scissors clipping the string that was holding you and just smiling as he did it. Ah, take that. You got that point? He got, he served God out of fear. He said, when I started giving, I gave out of fear because I heard that verse of scripture said, give and it shall be given unto you. But he said, I heard the parts where it said, bring the tithe to the storehouse. And if you don't bring it, trust me, try me, prove me. And if you don't, I'll turn you over to the devourers. I see big old grasshoppers eating my money. And he said, I served out of fear. He said, secondly, I served out of the fact that I wanted rewards. These preachers say all the time, now this is, this is not real, but they say it all the time. Give and you're going to get everything you want. That's like the lottery, isn't it? We're going to give a dollar today and win. Have you played the lottery? Don't lie to me. Yes, he has. There you go. I'm going to ask my wife, have you paid the lottery? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There you go. Okay. 
Every fool has played the lottery. <laughs> None of us have ever won. But one day I am. You see, I got that big smile. And then thirdly, he said he learned to serve God out of love. And give out of love. If you haven't gotten to the point where you love God and love the kingdom of God and love Oaks Church, this is a place of love, isn't it? Yes or no? It's a place of love. I like you. If your husband wasn't so big, I'd say I love you. You beat me like a drum. I met Brandon. I love Brandon. I love Ken. I love Stephen. I better put some girls in there. Y'all think bad of me. I love Angel. <laughs> no, I love people. Randy, I love you. Randy would be at the door. First, used to be the first person I saw at church outside. Hey! My wife called him Larry. What did she call him? Larry all the time? She called him. She had a wrong name. One day he said, I'm Randy. And I, I've been thinking he's Larry all like me, you see. It's a place of love. Now, let me, let me close with this. This is it. If you don't get to a point where you love people and care about people and care about what happens to them, the first two types of giving won't last. You'll get over the fear. You'll get over the rewards when you see everything that you give doesn't come back just like you want. Everything doesn't happen like you want. If the fears don't happen to you, you know, it's kind of like a mother say, I'm going to beat you, I'm going to beat you, and you don't beat them. And the kids kind of get numb to that. And then when you beat them, they think, well, what the heck just went on here, you know? <laughs> I had a lady in my church. Her name was Vicki Barber. I have a hard time telling this story because it's the only person that I think that has ever messed with me like she had. I never had anybody really disturb me like she does, but I'm going to tell you about her anyway. I was up preaching one day in a big crowd. I think it was on the conference, so winning revival that held at our church. There were several thousand people there that's, that day and some of the greatest preachers in America. And then walked this woman. She walks in with her kids and she's a heavy set, and she, her head, she had real frizzy hair, and she had it cut off short. And that guy said, who is this woman coming down the aisle? I said, that's Vicki Barber. He said, yes. He said, she looks like a cartoon character to me. I said, she does. If you looked at her, she, no reason, no reason in the world to think that she was going to succeed at anything in life or teach anybody anything. She was just a common person. I said, let me tell you about Vicki. I said, Vicki started coming to church when we first started running buses at our church. We had 25 buses that ran four times a day. We brought 2,000 people in every Sunday on our buses. Can you imagine that? 2,000 uh, 2, people every Sunday came in on our church buses back in the 80s. And Vicki rode Sunday morning, and then we'd send a few buses out Sunday night, she rode, and then, then on uh, Wednesday night she'd come. She'd bring her little boy. She had a little boy. The oldest little boy was deaf. He was autistic. 
He could barely speak because he couldn't hear. And she had a real struggle with him. But her other little boy was just a tiny little kid. He looked like the kid in Jerry Maguire. You know the kid, Jerry Maguire? Can you see the little blonde-headed kid that followed Jerry Maguire around with a quick wit and everything? She had a son just like him. And uh, she worked at the Pizza Hut. She didn't have any money. She had a sister that she was trying to take care of, and she'd be at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And finally, she caught my eye because she was the only one there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, 365. She was there. Caught my eye. Sat on the third row, right over there, third row. One day, <clears throat> she calls up and says, can somebody come visit the hospital? Brother Larry, would you come? My little baby's sick. So I went to the hospital and I went in, there's that cute little kid, you know, how big is a rabbit's head? You can see him at Jerry Maguire, you know, how big is a rabbit, 44 pounds, you know, and all that kind of stuff, just as cute as a button. And you'd see that kid. Had him a little monkey sitting up here by him on his pillow. I said, what, uh, buddy, what's that? He said, that's my monkey, he's my best friend. I talked to him for a while and prayed with him. I said, what's wrong with your child? They said, said uh, I don't know. They don't know. I didn't tell that this morning, but I came back two days later. And when I walked in, they had some real thick glasses on the little boy. Something was wrong with his eyes now. They were crossed. And, and <clears throat> so I talked to him, and I reached in my pocket and pulled out a $20 bill. That was a lot for a preacher back then then I pulled out a $20 bill and I said here buy your monkey some M&M peanuts and if he doesn't eat them all you eat some big old smile came on his face eyes crossed he looked at me and he said yeah preacher I'll do that the next day I got a call from Vicki and they were taking her to the helicopter pad there and she is inside, and they said, they're going to helicopter my baby to Dallas. Something's wrong with him, to the children's hospital. So they brought the child over, and before I could get over the next morning, Vicki called me and said, my baby has died. Not the one that gave her trouble, but her pride and joy, the one that was so blessed, that blessed her life. She was so proud to walk in with that little boy. He's dead. He's gone, preacher. She called me later and said, preacher, they're going to bury him. They gave us a grave. Somebody gave me a gravesite over in Pittsburgh, Texas. Can you come over to the country church and cemeteries out in the country? And it's free and it's the only place I can afford to bury my baby. Would you come preach the funeral? I said, yes. I was running a little late, it was 10 minutes late. They'd already closed the casket. When I got there, it was a cardboard casket. This is the first I'd ever seen. I'd never seen a cardboard casket, just a casket made out of cardboard. Buried in a cardboard casket, placed in a barred tomb in a cemetery in the country. The child, the hope and the joy of a girl that had nothing 
now her pride and joy had taken away from her. Can you picture it? I got up and preached on what heaven must look like to a child. I, I said, that little baby's in the arm of Jesus, sees Jesus, sees Moses, sees Noah, sees heaven as it is. And I, I preached everything that I knew to say to comfort her. And then I went down and my music pastor stood at the foot. I stood at the head of the casket. They came and opened that cardboard box up. This is the part that tears me up. I look down, I'll never forget looking down and seeing that little monkey laying beside the head of that precious little baby with his glasses, thick bottle caps on, his blonde hair, his head on that pillow. And in the monkey's arms was a package of M&M peanuts. I couldn't take it. I, I ran out of the building. I've never done that before, never done it since. I hardly shed a tear at a funeral. But I ran out of that building and I stood out under an oak tree and my music pastor came with me and he and I both stood out under that oak tree in the country, our heads down and we were weeping, crying, bitterly crying together. Our hearts were broken. And all of a sudden, we felt like two guys with a third friend coming in. And one arm went over his shoulder and another went over mine. And we were there, all three of us, with our heads down. And she was looking back and forth at us and saying, what's going on, guys? And it was Vicky. And I said, Vicky, what's up? She said, preacher, don't cry. My little baby would have never been as well off as she is with Jesus today. I couldn't have given him what Jesus has given him today. I went back to my church Sunday morning. There she is, her and her other boy's sister. Sunday night there. Wednesday night there, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. <clears throat> Went on about eight months. One Sunday night she missed. I thought, what a great chance for me to tell the church about Vicki and how much she loved God and how dedicated she was to the church and how special she was and how dare them to ever walk past her and not give condolences and not lift her up as being the lady of the church. She's special. She heard about my sermon and she came and said, Preacher, can I have a cassette tape of that sermon? That's back when we had cassette tapes. I said, yes, you can. You can have 10 of them and I got 10. I said, give them to your friends. If you want more, come get them. I don't know, four, five, six months passed. I was walking out the church and she said, Preacher, today is my birthday. I said, Vicki, happy birthday. She said, Preacher, I've got enough money in birthday presents today that I can buy a cassette player. To hear the tape that you preached six months ago about me. A $10 friggin' tape player. 
I said, Vicki, how do you do it? How do you do this? How do you, tell me how do you do it? I got to learn the secret. How do you do it? She said, preacher, I just love Jesus. I just love Jesus, right? You can give out of fear. You can give because you think somebody's going to give you something back or you can get to the point where you just love God. What do you come to church for? Because love Jesus. Why do you listen to preachers like me? Boring, old, because I love Jesus. God, let me get to the point in my life where I love you with all my heart and all my soul and all that is within me. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.